Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Mika Simmons. And welcome to the Happy Vagina podcast. Coming up, we have the inspirational Emily Morse, more commonly known as Sex with Emily, and we dive deep into libido. But first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our sponsors. This episode of the Happy Vagina podcast has been brought to you by The Organic Pharmacy. The Organic Pharmacy was born from the desire to create better health and beauty. Co-founder Margot Marone opened their first store in 2002 on London's King's Road and now people all over the world can enjoy their products. Dedicated to all things organic, with all the ingredients they use being of the highest organic pharmaceutical and cosmeceutical standard. They are a one-stop destination catering to all your homeopathic health and skincare needs. You can discover more about their exceptional health tips and organic skincare products by visiting them at www.theorganicpharmacy.com and sign up to their weekly newsletters or follow them at The Organic Pharmacy. Welcome to The Happy Vagina, a podcast dedicated to celebrating pioneers in the female space who have made a difference in women's health, equality and relationships. Each week we chat to an inspiring human being as they explore the experiences that completely change their outlook, promising not only to educate but also to entertain and enlighten. And this week on The Happy Vagina, we are honoured, really honoured, to be joined by one of the sexual wellness industry's bona fide pioneers, Dr. Emily Morse, who we all possibly know best as Sex with Emily. Emily, welcome to The Happy Vagina. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat to you. And we asked our community to send questions in and I was inundated, inundated. You know, you you are by... By trade, I suppose, a sex therapist holding two bachelor degrees from the University of Michigan in psychology and political science and then becoming a doctor of human sexuality at the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco. But you are so much more than those kind of just those credits, because for the last 15 years, way before we all started, you have been on a mission to liberate the conversation around sex and pleasure. So... When you said that you'd come on, I was so touched because I feel like I feel I feel like we're standing on your shoulders. You know, I mean, obviously, the happy vagina is not just a, a sexual world of space, but I really do feel like we're 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 standing on 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 your shoulders. You you started your podcast fifteen years ago, two thousand and five, so yeah, almost sixteen. 16 so it's the yeah. longest running sexual sexual wellness podcast. You're also the author of best-selling Hot Sex, Over 200 Things You Can Try Tonight, which I have to say is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so bored of being single because I really just need, I need to go and actually, the pandemic needs to end now so I can go and try some things out. And a pioneering masterclass instructor on sex and communication. For anyone who is listening who may not have heard of you, Let's go back to the beginning. And can you just say a little bit about how did sex with Emily manifest itself into your lap? 
Mm. Well, first off, thank you for that beautiful introduction. And um, it's so nice to be on your show. I, how could I not be on the happy vagina, right? I'm like, really, I love it. It's so great. And it's lovely to meet you. How did it start? It actually, funny enough, started right where I'm about where I'm sitting right now. I'm, I'm in San Francisco. I moved to Los Angeles, but I'm in San Francisco right now. And I um, and I it started from a, a series of conversations I was having about sex and relationships and dating and love with my girlfriends. And I just and, and everybody I'd always been very curious about what makes great sex. If someone had told me they had great sex last night, I'd always say, well, back up. Like, what, what exactly do you mean by that? What does great sex mean to you? Were you having orgasms? Was his penis double jointed? Were you swimming from the rafters? Like, what did you mean by great sex? Because I never, I was certain that I hadn't had like the most amazing sex. I thought there was, it was, I was very aspirational in that way. I was like, what does it mean? And I realized I had no information about sex. And so I, how it started was I was I had, uh, was a documentary filmmaker. I just made a film about politics in San Francisco. And I was looking for my next project. And when you're an artist and a creator, you want to do something that you're very passionate about. And mm -hmm. I thought, why not just these conversations that I, I passionately and innately want to have with people? And it wasn't just about sex. When people were in relationships, I would say, how did you meet? And how do you guys communicate? What, what do you think is a secret to your long lasting relationship? And it's something that I've, since I was a little girl, I've had so many questions about. So I just thought I'm going to start a podcast. And it was the first few months of podcasting. And someone had said to me, had told me about it. And they said, you should start a podcast. I didn't know what that was. And I was like, oh, that sounds exactly what I want to do. Because if I'm going to have intimate sex talks with people, the anonymity of, of, of audio is such a better place to do it. And mm -hmm. so I really just, in my living room, invited a bunch of friends over from all walks of life and just started interviewing them about their sex life. And that was the first day of the podcast that I thought, this is what I want to do. This is, but this is my path. It was like this divine, like light shone. And I felt this warmth and I felt this knowing that it was my path. Like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I'm going to liberate this conversation wow. because we were all sharing. We were all open. And I thought this is going to be, this is going to change people's lives. Wow. I just been knowing. Do you know, have you done any exploration around? So when you say that when you were a young woman, a, a girl, actually, I think you used the word a girl, that you were always asking questions. You meant around sex. You were curious from a young age everything. about everything. Yeah, everything. Like I, I, my mom would like have to st like stop me. She'd be like, five more questions before bed. Like just stop. <laughs> I was always like, well, why, what, how, where, when, you know? And so, but then the thing about relationships, since I was a little girl, whenever I would meet a couple, I would say, like, how did you meet? And when did you fall in love? So I was very more curious about love and not sex, but the sex thing started happening once I started having sex. And then I kind of married the two. Mm -hmm. And then I also saw the disconnect between sex and relationships because it seemed like people were not having great sex and that seemed to be the culprit for ending their relationship sometimes and i just was thought well how do they work together and how do you have great sex and be in a long-term relationship because that seemed really hard mm, and something that we're just absolutely not addressed in the school curriculum Never. so it was so so needed and how did the because uh, the title so i find one of the things that i love about the title of your of your podcast and your work as a whole is that it's like it's to me what it says is sex with Jane Austen so it's like I understand that it's based on your name but it's like if your podcast was called uh sex with Cindy let's say I love the name Cindy by the way so no no disrespect in fact when I was little I wanted to be called Cindy but that would be a very different thing essentially I think Emily is a, is a very uh it's a very pretty name 
And it's a very conservative name. And it's kind of, you know, it's not wild. It's not like sex with Cher or sex with Randy, where you'd think this is either porn or this is like sexual development. It's just such a brilliant idea as a title. I'm like, that's why that's why it grabbed my attention. I was like, this is so kitsch, sex with Emily. Like, what does sex with Emily do? How did the name come about? It's a great question. It was really, I was sitting around the, with my friends and I and I was thinking, is it sex talk with them? And it was, is it sex? And I thought it was going to be sex talk with Emily. Um, and then all of a sudden I just thought, and I was writing it. I was literally sitting there with a piece of paper, writing all the names out. It was just like that 2005. And I was like, oh, sex with Emily. That's just, that's just, that's it. It just spoke to me. And then I thought, you know, it wasn't so much to be racy. I mean, gosh, to be honest, if I had known that having sex with the, that, that was going to be my job and now I'm just going to be known as sex with Emily, <laughs> I would, I probably wouldn't have done it because I had no idea. I wasn't even doing it to be racy or titillating, or maybe people will like me more or like me less. It was not even to be controversial. I mean, in many ways I was very naive. It was just Every time someone says the, set, the word sex, it's intentional. It, get them out of their awkward place. Why is sex so awkward? Just like if you say sex, it was really just that. It was like, just say it. It just felt right. Honestly, I go on my intuition a lot and I was like, this is this is going to be right. And I don't care. Which is the same, which is the same for me with the happy vagina. My team said I couldn't (laughs) call it that. And I said, we have to say the the word vagina, which of course, as important is vulva and all the other clitoris, but uh, just vagina was the word that, 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 that came through the happy vagina after hosting a panel. And I felt the same that actually, uh, if, unless, you know, and on, and I'm not allowed to say it when I go on the BBC at the moment. And Instagram currently, as you'll know, has brought in really quite strong new rules around the use of both sex and vagina. So we're really up against a new censorship. And the more that I find out about that, I mean, I want to keep Instagram safe for the young people that are on it. But at the same time, I'm still like, this just says to me that there's more work to be done in this space. But the space must have changed from 15 years ago. So what was the reaction to a project called Sex with Emily 15 years ago by comparison to how you... I know it's quite a tricky question because you're so inside of it, pardon the pun. No, it wasn't it's always good. a pun. It's a great question. And you're right, and vagina is still censored. People still think that you can't say the word... It's still a thing. I mean, 15 years ago, it was like... I mean, even 10 years ago, you got to cheat. Well, we like, you know, I talking to my agents and they were like, I had agents, they were like, oh, well, we love the name. It's great. But obviously you have to change it. Like, obviously you cannot, you cannot right. have a business called sex with Emily because no right. one's going to advertise. No one's going to take you seriously. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not changing the name. I will not change the name. And, and then people, yeah, I mean, people, it was just controversial. People didn't want to say it, you know, oh, your show, she's got a show about, you know, relate. My mom would always say I had a show about relationships, you know, she didn't say it was about sex. And so, yeah, it was very controversial. I mean, there was there, there was no, I mean, yeah, no. I mean, it was absolutely, I think it's still, it's just, in the last few years, there's a lot, I mean, there even is like a Sex with Sandy or Sex with Shammy. Like, there's a bunch of other shows now. So it's like, it is more common, but people were like, there's no way this is going to be a business. No one's going to, it was really about like sponsors and people wouldn't, people wouldn't, won't be a part of this. It won't go anywhere. People aren't comfortable with it. Yeah. It's a bit like that pretty, that pretty woman moment when she goes in going, big mistake. <laughs> to yeah. all the people that doubted you, like a big, big mistake. Yeah, big. Right. Right. I, I, you know, I, um, you, you mentioned that there's loads of other shows and I, when I, so I started 
working in the female health space around gynecology, obviously, since losing my mother to ovarian cancer. And I started a charity in that space. I wanted to have a louder voice. And so I started the Happy Vagina. And I remember ringing some um, some journalist friends of mine and saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a podcast called The Happy Vagina. This is 18 months ago. And they were like, great what's new about it and I was like what do you mean what's new about it it's like it's, it's it's about sex and vaginas and like female health how dare you be what's new about it and they were like no no what's new about it like have you listened to sex with Emily and I was like no I haven't <laughs> and then so it was quite sweet of me I mean to be honest with you I really feel we have to follow our path like yeah. we shouldn't be put off from doing something but I I just fell in love with what you were doing because mm. I was a little I was I knew that I wanted to do something but I was a bit naive about the women that had gone before me thank god I mean to be honest with you if I'd have gone and looked it all up I probably would have been like they don't need me they've got this it's fine <laughs> I do need you I mean it's so funny that you say because at first I was not following I was like what do you mean what's do with it and I don't I don't even think I gotta be honest um uh Mika I I I don't have that I don't, I don't walk around thinking I'm that. So every time I hear it from you, I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, I, I honestly think I'm still in that. I'm still doing my work. I know there's other people out there and I love that. Like, I feel like, and because I remember you were asking me early on. I remember someone said to me early on, it was probably the first three months. It was a guy in, who worked in like advertising radio or something. And he said to me, well, Emily, why is your, so, and this was 15 years ago. Why is your so different? I remember he said to me, he goes, one day he said, there could be sex with Sharon or sex. And you remember him saying this? I was like, well, fine, but sex with Sharon will be very different than sex with Emily. Bring Sharon in. Like, yeah. why is this a problem? We're all, we're talking about, it's like food. Is there only one cooking show? Like, yeah. is there only one exercise show? It's like, I just didn't understand it. And I think that I love that you're doing the show. It's like, I, I support all the other women who are doing this because we're all in this together and we all want the same thing. Yeah. We all want women to feel safe and comfortable in their bodies. And so I just yeah. am like, I welcome it. And I think we all learn from each other. It's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. The more, as you, you, you talk about a lot, the more candid we are and the more we challenge the cultural taboos, the more we'll move forward and land it because there's been women's movements historically, yeah. but then get kind of, over, you know, in the 1970s, there was a real, real push for women's liberation. And I don't know what quite happened with sex in the 80s and 90s, but it became very masculine again. And I'm not knocking that, but it just, yeah. I think, I think it's important that we continue and that we don't ever assume that we've landed and that we keep working together. Yeah. Um, Today, we are going to focus primarily on female desire and libido, which is something that the community asks me about a lot, and I'm not an expert. And it's something that for me, I feel deeply interested in. It's such a fascinating, fascinating, you know, porous and fertile area to start researching and I think really let's start with the basics so I'm going to ask you three things but we're going to look at them all so I want to know what you think sex is what you think desire is and what you think libido is okay so okay oh gosh I mean sex is sex is however we we define sex it's it's not I can tell you what it's it's not only penetration right we think it's that's when you have sex I think that sex is about uh, a connection with ourselves or others where we feel connection, pleasure, mm. and um, arousal mm. in our genitals. Mm. Mm. Is it the same as desire? 
Well, desire is desire is tricky. I mean, des- desire is a little bit different than sex. I mean, I think that de- that sex sort of comes from or as a result of desire and arousal. Mm. So, I mean, desire is desire. Um, desire is something that sort of happens in our in our in our minds and our like two ways that we get ready for sex is when we're when we're turned on in our bodies and our mind. Right, that's when we're ready for sex. We need our brain, our body, our bodies to be on board for sex and our brains. Mm-hmm. So I always say like, it's a mental and a physical thing. Mm-hmm. And then we might be ready for sex. And mm-hmm. so desire though can come about in a way that if you are, um, desire comes about in different ways. We can, this is why desire is so confusing. So desire, there's two kinds of desire. There's the responsive desire. And then there's a spontaneous desire. <gasps> Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, there's there's okay. there's responsive, responsive and then there's spontaneous. Spontaneous, okay. Right? okay? So let's just get into desire because I also, and then we can talk about arousal too because those are also two different things and then we can get into libido. Yeah. So I think this is where the meat is though because this is something that's like every time I I talk to specifically women about it they're like oh, it's like mind blown. Yeah. Because we're so so let's talk about spontaneous desire. Spontaneous yeah. desire is why so many women walk around thinking that we're broken and something's wrong with us. And we have a low libido because we don't, we don't just walk into the, we don't just wake up and we, or we see our partners and want to rip their clothes off. Yeah. Maybe we did at the beginning, but we don't just walk around. Many of us, I would say the majority of women we're talking about, like cisgender yeah. women, we're talking about vulva, vagina owners. We do not just like get struck by this desire spontaneously in the middle of the day to rip our partner's clothes off. But yet sometimes, and I'm gonna talk about a heterosexual couple right now, we see our partners, they walk in the door and they might see us and go, oh God, I'm so ready for sex. They might get an erection, they're turned on by us. And then we're like, oh God, I'm just sitting here finishing a text and working and I didn't even see you walk in. I am nowhere near ready for sex. Yeah. So typically men, being people with penises, have a spontaneous, they are, they see us and then they're like, whoa, spontaneous. Visual. Visual. Is it visual or is that an energy thing? Visual, but this is where the genders are very different sexually and it's mostly around this sweet spot of desire. It's a quick mental thought like, oh wow, my partner sure looks hot there. And then it's spontaneous. It's almost like a quick mental that goes to like it's almost like in imperceptible so we could say that it is all visual see this is a really really important kind of part of it is it visual or is it just something inside of them like is it actually a response to what they see or is it just that they have a more rampant sexual energy that could get triggered by hopefully their partner but also by many other women that they see in the day. Yes, exactly. I think it's a combo. It's so, our physiology is so, it's so entwined. So I think of it as like a quick flash, like a visual, like they see something and then it immediately gets into their body and then their hormone and then they get like, whoa, I'm turned on. But for women, we might see it and we're more, so let's talk about responsive, right? So men, I always say that men are frying pans and women are slow cookers. Okay, so when you think about that, they're like, like we got, we got stimulated oh, real quick. I love that. We, I love that. So yes. women were like, I want to respond to something. And then for women, it's more about, think about like, it's more like if we're responsive, we might feel the physical arousal first and then the mental desire. So we kind of, or we just might need to feel like, I want to be seduced. I want to be whatever that looks like. Like I want my partner to, to start to talk, ask me about my day, seduce me 
maybe start to slowly touch my, you know, move closely to me, maybe give me a massage or start to touch my arm or put a hand on my thigh. And, and then we're, I'm going to respond. So I'm responsive. I'm responding to something that's happening from somebody else in the moment, or even if it's alone, it could be, I'm responding to my vibrator. I'm responding to my hands on my body. And then, you know, it's more about being like seduced by my surroundings or my situations or my partner. And I'm going to respond to that. Mm. And that's when my desire is going to happen. Then I'll have desire. It didn't just strike me out of nowhere, but I'm responding to, and it could be something I saw. I could be watching porn. I could be thinking mm. about something and then I get turned on, but it, it's not as immediate. Mm. You know, it's like, um, it's kind of like the, it's the, more organic. The- it's less warrior. Mm. In a way, it's less warrior, isn't it? It's less, it's less charged and, 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 and has, and I love that. I love that analogy of the fry, frying pan and the, um, sure. and, and the, and the slow cooker. Right. So, so typically you would say, and we are generalizing here, we're more responsive and men are more. And spontaneous. And then we're going to come back to desire because I've got all these questions for you, but just to kind of like complete the, the, the sex with Emily montage, what, for you is libido what what how does that integrate with our desire i just say that libido is more about the energy of our sex drive it's more about our how we sort of measure up it's sort of our i would just say that our libido is is sort of looking at a spectrum of our our, our desire over time or over mm. the last few weeks or the last few months it's sort mm. of like it's kind of a component of of our sex life. Like my libido lately, it's been kind of high. It's been low. I haven't been in the mood for sex. I haven't had that drive. I haven't had that desire. It's sort of the, it's sort of a a measure of all the components that make up our sex life. So if I said, if I had a partner and I said, my desire is low at the moment, what's the difference between my desire being low and my libido being low? Are they really the same thing or is it that libido is really anatomy? Desire is more in the, I have to say that desire is more of a mental, a mental, physical combination and right. you could create desire. Like you could really right. create it, but it, libido could be dampened by so many things. Right. Medication, depression, right. anxiety, anger at your partner, anger at yourself. Like, I mean, there's a million things that when you look at like, why is it? There's a lot of things that impact it, but they're so interchangeable. So it's like, it's so, it's so, it's so specific, but I, I would say that that's a good a good a good differing factor that okay. are like, okay. yeah so for, for this for this woman who's quite new to this conversation that feels That's kind of great. quite clear for me and it, um it is still confusing i have to say like i i gotta be honest with you like even here like i was like what are the latest studies on it and i know when i talk about gender i'm very careful about it and i because people get you know but it is true and I, there's a study that i just found like it says that 75 you know there were studies and this is from emily nagoski who wrote the book come as you are yes. and that's an incredible book right this yes. this rising new science that this is where she really talks about a lot of the stuff if people want to look at a wonderful book called come as you are yeah uh, emily emily nagoski um and then her statistics were that 75 percent of men and 15 percent of women say that they they um feel spontaneous desire so it's 75 percent spontaneous which is what we're saying that men are like frying pans. I'm ready to go. And 30% of women say they feel, what is it? Primarily respond. Well, that's kind of going to confuse us. Let's just stick with this responsive 75% of men. Like it is more, I just, that's the way our physiology is. That's the way their hormones are. Um, they're the, they're the hunters. They're the, yeah. It's just, I think, I think the thing that is really fascinating for me and, and I'm not sure 
the the where we're at in science and technology we have the answer for it yet but i think what's really interesting is that i feel like women aren't taught that they should have desire and i am talking about in america and in the uk and in western countries i i've heard that women in france are actually taught a little bit more to know that it's okay from i'm talking from when we're little emily like that somehow or other and i'm not sure that men it's not like men are given a class on it here we go lads let's all sit down and we're going to tell you that you're going to have this desire but somehow or other i think it's integrated into young men young boys psyches that it's normal to have desire i don't yeah. quite know how that happens sure. but because i think women aren't given the green light to have desire i think historically women have been called very horrible names yeah. if they are sexually quite prowess and i think that means that other women around them shut down but uh, is it possible to teach ourselves desire, Emily? Yes, absolutely. I, I I love that question because we are repressed. We we have been repressed in many ways. Actually, we are told that if we have desire and we are turned on or we want sex all the time, we will be called names. We will be chastised. We will be called you know sluts or you know all that stuff. And so we're we're not we're not. Let's just say this: we are not encouraged. We are not praised. We are not supported in our. Right, being sexual right. beings. That's what happens. That's that's what it is. There's no class for young boys on desire. However, they're not criticised for it. No. Whereas we're, we're called celebrate. the S word. Yeah. If we're sexually active at school, we're called both of the S words essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, There's so no way that it feels safe to be a sexually to be a sexually open. And uh, that's the other thing. Going back, you know, sex with Emily. It's like people are like. She must be a slut. She must be a this and that. No, but this is why I'm so in love with you. This is why I think that you were so brave 15 years ago to do this because other than really A-list stars like Madonna did the sex book and stuff, like it's not it's not like a it's not a groundbreaking thing to do, but I think to be like a normal woman and to yeah, put your head above the power yeah, to you well, you're you've now got this really amazing brand and you're well known, but you weren't when you started it. And you were prepared to put your yourself on the line and be up for criticism and as you said your mum only being able to say it's a relationship podcast or whatever and I just I think that that is exactly why I'm so in love with you but we're not going to talk about how much I'm in love with you for the whole podcast but I would like to know (laughs) say that say that uh the the community is if someone wanted to start to find their desire if they feel that because I think we're very privileged to work in this space and so many of our listeners don't even know where to start. How would a woman start to investigate her desire, to, to bring well, it on? It's, it's great. You know, it's such a good question because we, there's so much unpacking to do with it because we oftentimes just think that we are not, um, yeah, we're not, we, we just kind of decide that we have low libido and we have low desire and we just sort of, I always say it's not necessarily that you have low libido, you might have high boredom. Like you might not have been stimulating your brain, stimulating your mind. You might have been discouraged in other ways. For example, like we, our brain is the most powerful sex organ. But if our brain has thoughts in it, like if I desi- if I have desire, I'm going to be shamed. If I have want more sex than my partner, there's something wrong with me. I don't feel okay being sexual. I might have had some sexual trauma or abuse as a child or in, at any point in my life, and I haven't dealt with that yet. Like, 
So you look at all the things like amount of medication that is impacting my desire, you know, antidepressants and even birth control pill, all these things that women continually take could have an impact on our ability to feel sexual and to be aroused. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that there's all these roadblocks and people, I, so a lot of information is on my site and the podcast, but it's like, you know, do your research, understand like what is holding me back? What are my roadblocks to feeling like, why aren't I, you know, when have I been the most turned on? Mm -hmm. Like, then you can start to look at like, okay. So once you clear out all those things, or yeah, mm-hmm. and to be honest, I don't think you ever clear them out because women, we are, our hormones are changing, not only monthly, not only like by the decade, but monthly sometimes during our menstrual cycles. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot to be, to be aware of as women, but this is not just, this is, this is to encourage women to know that at any point in our lives, if we start to understand, well, when do I feel the most aroused? When is the time I can think in my life of being super turned on? What was happening right before that? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what was it response to a person, a place, a situation? Mm-hmm. And if you're in a relationship, you can even look at that right now. Mm-hmm. What are the three times I've been with this partner? I've been so turned on. What was happening? Where were we? A lot of times you're like, well, we were on vacation. The kids were home. There was no, there was freedom. It's like, okay, well, maybe you need to have more vacations. We can't all live on vacation. But if you drill down a little bit. What else was happening? You know, mm. how could you recreate that? You know, I think it's like, and it's also giving ourselves permission to be sexual, giving ourselves permission to to turn ourselves on. I think a lot of it starts with our own ability to feel comfortable with masturbation mm. and self pleasure mm. and touching ourselves. Mm. You know, and not just res- even being responsive to our partner. Like, what? Mm. How do we spontaneous? How do we just, you know, be in our bodies, move our bodies? Are we healthy? Are we are we looking at our body naked? I mean, mm. there are such great exercises to go in your bedroom and have a mirror and like look at your body. Look at your vagina. Mm. Have you looked at it? Have mm. you taken a mirror? And put your legs back. And if you ever look between your legs, have you looked at your vulva? Mm. Have you looked at how it looks when you get aroused and turned on? Become become an expert in your own body. I mean, mm. honestly, once you see what is possible and what it can do, we can we can do anything, and I think that's also a way that what many of us can learn to fall in love, or maybe even like with our bodies again if we were shamed and we didn't feel good about it, and we weren't told it was okay. So there's a lot of healing to do around it. So I mm. think that desire comes from going easy on ourselves and saying, "I was not given any instructions. Nobody told me how to be sexual. They told me how not to be sexual. And how do I unpack that? How do I how do I sort of?" Start starting today. How do I decide that I'm going to take back my pleasure and my arousal and my desire and all whatever you want to call it, so I can feel comfortable being sexual and being a woman? Yeah, because I also read recently that the um, the clitoris. I would suggest it's mostly the clitoris, but I think that the whole of the area has almost as much erectile tissue as a penis. And so, to actually look at yourself while you're um, focused on arousing yourself could be a really interesting exploration I was actually at a wedding once and I might be about to get into really big trouble because there was a doctor there who had some Viagra my girlfriend took it to see if it had an effect on her vagina and it did it like her vagina did yeah she had a response to it because it's the same tissue yeah it's true no that's true it works for women but it doesn't work in the way like people are always trying to get the female Viagra. And I don't want people to go out and start taking Viagra because it's just a physiological, you'll, you'll have the response because you're, there's erectile tissues that will swell. The clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings. Um, and it doesn't work for all women because a lot of it is if our brain is not, like you might even take a Viagra and then you'll start, and then she probably was with a partner 
perhaps or with somebody, or maybe she turned herself on, but we don't just get an, an, an erection like a man, although it is erectile tissue. So yeah, the clitoris is 8,000 nerve endings and, the, and, a, and a circumcised penis only has 4,000. So it's like, we have to, wow. we have the ability to get aroused and there's so many nerve endings there. So just start doing to, to explore and touch ourselves and keeping sex top of mind. So to answer your question more simply, people always want specific tips. How do you, <clears throat> like, how do you continue to keep yourself desired? It's like, think about yourself, like what does turn you on? It's okay to you know, watch porn, let your partner know that I really love it when you kiss my neck. I love oral sex. I mean, the majority of women are going to have orgasms by kissing a finger, like using hand stimulation or a mouth. It is not through penetration. So women are concerned that like, oh, I'm never in the mood for sex. Well, if you're, if you're with a partner and this is very, this is the most so common. If you're with a man, for example, who just assumes that you're going to be turned on like he is and go right for penetration, mm -hmm. but you've had no stimulation of your vulva where mm -hmm. the clitoris originates, although it also, you know, there's clitoral nerve endings inside as well. Mm -hmm. It's like you, it's up to us then to say, no, you know what? I need to slow everything down. Mm -hmm. I need you, I need you to kiss me and undress me slowly. I need you to use this toy on me. I need you to spank me. I need you to talk dirty to me. I mean, just figure mm -hmm. out what those things are and mm -hmm. that's going to help get you in the mood for sex. But if you don't have any of the ingredients and your partner's just coming in hot and you're like, ah, sex is painful. It's hard. I mean, a lot of women have pain too. That's another conversation, but mm -hmm. figure it out. Like we have to become our experts and our best advocates for sex and then know, know that and then explain that to a partner. And then we'll be able to understand what our desire formula mm -hmm. is. I mean, I, I really, uh, one of the, I, I love everything you just said, but one of the things that I feel really strongly about is that being really taking responsibility that, that, that women as as a gender have actually had a huge part so it, it didn't stem from us because of the lack of education in terms of the med medical books they 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 didn't talk about our anatomy properly but n now that we know actually like how the clitoris network works and, and all of this stuff it's now our responsibility to tell men that or our partners or, or it, again we're Never talking heterosexual but but like yeah. it's we have to now at this stage in history when we do have all the facts as women we've had a massive part i've had a massive part in faking orgasms i don't know a woman yeah. who hasn't faked an orgasm and it's not fair on men actually because oh. they think that they're getting it right or, or a partner in general i mean i think it's okay sometimes too but i suppose my question really is do you think Considering how a woman's body works and and the the amount of focus or energy that it may take to bring a woman to climax, by comparison to a man who it does seem to be more straightforward, do you think there's too much focus on the orgasm within desire for women? I like, do. Is that I, why I, our desire gets dampened? Because we feel like we should be getting to an orgasm and then we don't and then you kind of give up yeah i think that you know it's really there's been a lot of work in this space of sexuality human sexuality and desire to say well let's not focus on the orgasm and i say it i'm like sex is not all about orgasm because we get so focused on we're so goal oriented we're so like i gotta have an orgasm or it didn't count but what i found is when we do take the focus off of orgasm and we put the focus on pleasure what actually feels good to me? What 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 touch feels good? What sensations feel good? What feels good around me in my environment? What 
what kind of touch feels good? What kind of scents feel good? What kind of clothing feels good in my body? Then we become more in tune with our senses and our nerve endings. We're, we're so, we have so much, you know, I'm such a comfort. I've been like, since again, since I was a little girl, I always have to be comfortable. Like I don't wear wool. I don't wear things that are itchy or constricting. And, and I really pay attention to that in, in my environment too. Like what makes me feel good? And so I mean, I do think that, yes, it definitely, there is an orgasm gap and men can take anywhere from six to, what is it, like five to seven minutes to orgasm when women typically it's like 20 to 40 minutes. And so... Prop, just prop, prop, slight, slight tangent, props to us that we can have more than one though. Well, right. <laughs> There's multiple, we have a refractory period, meaning the time it takes for us to get another orgasm yeah. is super quick. And that's a learned skill. Women can learn to have multiples. We can learn to have orgasms without touching ourselves. We can learn to think ourselves to orgasm. I mean, we have it, that, which also shows that it's it's very it's mental for us. But we're. But if so, that's the case, if a woman, so I think I read a statistic that that sixty percent of women who are in a heterosexual relationship actively sixty percent don't reach climax. I don't think that's okay. I, I'm not. I'm not sure, but it doesn't feel right to me when when the when it's something like ninety percent of men do. And I, 90%. but if if that's true, ninety eight, ninety nine, ninety nine point nine, a hundred. Uh, if if right. we, so I don't know very much about that, oh. about being able to think yourself into an orgasm. If someone wanted to explore that, how do they do that? Is that through meditation? It's through breath work. It's through tantric sex. Um, there's a great book by Barbara Corellis called Urban Tantra. And I've also done an episode of Sex with Emily with her. But she taught I me, mean, I have not just think to myself to orgasm. So that's a whole other. But what it speaks to is that when we can think about our, our, when we're really in our bodies, I would say it's a combination of breathing, deep, deep breath. I mean, so many of us restrict our breaths. We're not, our breath, we're not breathing during orgasm or during sex. And so it's just a practice of being mindful, being present, and and you're just really focused on your entire body, and it's all connected. And so it's not just like you're fantasizing about something, although it could happen that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just that we have many ways, paths to pleasure, and I just ask women to unpack that for themselves and figure out what, what does feel good. And it doesn't feel good not to have an orgasm when our partner continually is. So mm-hmm. if you need that talk to your partner about it and say like, let's figure out my arousal patterns. Let's figure out my, or or here, look what I've been learning about myself. I've been learning that when I touch myself gently on my clitoris here, it feels really good. You want me to show you? Like I'm telling you, I've done this with partners. I'm like, look, like we were talking about taking a look in the mirror. I'd say like, I'd look at it. Remember the first time I did it when I was masturbating, I was like, oh wow, my clitoris swells and it blossoms like a flower. Like I understand Georgia O'Keeffe and the orchids. I'm like, I understand why I'm a flower. I'm like, actually there's an orchid here on my desk. I understand that, why that happens. And it's so, it's so beautiful. And I really saw it in myself. I think I intellectually knew it. I kind of, but when you see it, when you get aroused, you're like, wow, like, I don't know. It's really this beautiful thing. But women, again, we don't want to look. We're shamed. Like most women couldn't pick their vagina out of a lineup. If I put other vulva, if I put on the wall, like they'd be like, I don't know which one's mine. So once you start to understand that, like this is how I have an orgasm, you you just, I don't know. Like then I think it just does get easier too. Like I know now where I'm going to have one and not, and I'll need like my, I need lube and my fingers or a toy. And I know which situation's going to happen in, but I did not know any of this. 15 years ago. So no one taught me this. 
I, I had You've to learn it. yourself and, 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 and ask people that were one step in, in, in front yeah. of you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, Speaking of being one step in front, so I feel like we're talking to a certain extent about the basics as in how to learn how to access your own desire but if a woman has done the next stage so um you've mentioned porn i know for myself that i'm i have a very visual um i can be very stimulated visually and i actually enjoy porn i've always since yeah. i discovered it i found it but i have a we have a lot of negative feedback um whenever we mention it on on the in the community and i recently no- noticed that goop had the same and and i feel quite sad for women because i think the truth is is that visual stimulus is 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 a bit of a missing link for i think for so many women that are in relationships where they're not satisfied sexually if they could just leap into allowing themselves to access the naughty step (laughs) then they probably would have a good time and I just if someone is in a relationship and the relationship has been so from a woman's standpoint the relationship has become stayed sexually and she's done the work that you've just been talking about and one of the things that's come up for her has been that you know she may want to explore threesomes or just even watching threesomes in porn how does how does how does a woman move a relationship that may be a little bit set in its ways with her partner because I also feel that it's a harder conversation. It's at, Truth be told, that would be a difficult conversation for anyone to have, no matter what gender. But I do have a feeling that for women, because of, as we've touched on, the shame makes it even harder. So what would you say to someone who wanted to do that? Well, first, let me address the porn thing, because I, I understand why it gets such a bad rep, because porn is mostly made by the male gaze for men, by yeah. men. Yeah. And it is not... So we have had to, again, fit into the male idea of sex. We've had to find something in porn that turns us on. And usually it is women on girl and women on woman or threesomes. Um, There are sites, there are places for women to go. Now, there are female, more female-friendly sites, more ethical porn. Um, I like the work of Erica Lust. She's on the podcast this season. She's your sister in season three. Oh, she's amazing. Erica's the best. She really started this movement. And then there's another one called Belessa, B-E-L-L-E-S. Do you know Belessa? Right. So, they, so if you want, if you haven't seen yourself represented in the porn, like in the you porns and all that, then check the, take a look at some stuff that is made with women in mind and women's pleasure. And then you might, because all we're saying about porn is that it's titillating. It's, I didn't, you don't know what you don't know. If you, 
don't, if you didn't have a lot of sex education and you have only, you're with your partner, like, how do you know what to do? So wherever you can get inspired, you know, that's why we're doing these shows, right? Podcasts or read or watch porn or there's audio erotica too. You can listen to audio erotica like Dipsy or Tri Quinn. There's some great sites that you can just listen because for some women, they're less visual. They might want to hear it. They're more like auditory learners or get inspired. But to, to talk to your partner about it, it's, it's never easy having conversations about sex, whether you've been together for a month or you've been together for years, it's always the awkward conversation. And so, cause we feel like we feel bad. We feel responsible. We feel like we're going to be shamed. We feel like our partner is going to feel bad if we tell them we're not really having orgasms or pleasure. And so we just decide we're just going to not talk about it. And then yeah. we know what happens, right? Then just over to them, you know, we don't have sex time and time again. It's, it's harder and harder to get turned on. So is your question like, what do, what, where do we start if we're in yeah, a Yeah, like how would you suggest to someone that they could have that conversation? You with? know, I, I think it's with a partner. It's, I have, I have a, my, my T's, I have three T's for communication. It is timing, turf, and tone. Oh, great. And, I love that. Timing, turf, and tone. And tone. This is the, this is what, hold on, I have a dog here and I don't want her to. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I do not want her to pee on my friend's rug. Hi, baby girl. Just like we don't pee on the friend's couch. <laughs> okay, so, um, so, so timing, turf, and tone are my three T's for any awkward conversation. And you could, you could probably apply this to, to any, uh, literally any awkward conversation you want to have with someone or uncomfortable. So timing. So you're with your partner. Make sure it is a time when you are both, you're hanging out. It's casual. Maybe you're at dinner. You're going for a walk. You're not in a stress. So the timing is not when you're angry, not when you didn't you didn't get turned on one more time and you you're mad at your partner. So that's the timing, find a place when you're chilling and hanging out. The, the tone is, uh, the turf is outside the bedroom. It is not in the bedroom. It is not, you don't have a conversation about sex in like when you are frustrated again, that, that your partner didn't do what you wanted or you weren't turned on or the sex was forced upon you. Your turf is somewhere where you are. Um, maybe you're going for a walk. Or you're in a car going for a road trip because when you're walking, it's more intimate. You don't have to make eye contact if it's awkward, but it's still just the two of you. Same thing goes for a road trip. And then then your tone is light and curious and open. It is not defensive. It is not angry. It's just it's just like, hey, so so how the conversation goes down. So picture you're with your partner or maybe you're going for a walk and um and you say to them, hey, you know, I realize that I got to talk to you about something. And I, I, this is actually really awkward and it's really uncomfortable for me because I realize we've never talked about our sex life mm. in the way that I'd like to right now. Mm. I want to, I know that we both want to be great lovers to each other. And I know that we, we love each other. We care about each other. And I, but I, there's some things that I've been discovering about myself lately and I want to share it with you. And then you just, you speak your truth. I realize I haven't been having pleasure and I, I'm on this journey to figure out what really feels good to me or my body's changed. And I, I kept trying to figure this out on my own, but I realized there's two of us in this sexual relationship. So I'm hoping that you could let me know if there's been anything on your mind lately and we could sort of problem solve and come up with a plan together. Mm. I mean, start there Well, and listen, be a great listener, share, you know, you can practice this. You can write it all down what you want to say. But I think that a partner is invested. Now you have to say, this is nothing because your partner might say, think of it this way. Most people have never talked to anybody about sex ever. So the, the first time we do it, 
our partner might say, well, what am I doing wrong? Are you cheating on me? Do you want to have an affair? You know, it's like, am I bad? Do you hate my penis? Do I have a small penis? Like there's just so many things that go through our head because we're shocked that someone brought it up. And so just be prepared to like reassure that it might, it's not a one-time conversation. It's an on, listen, we get into this problem with our sex life because we don't talk about it ever. And like, we even call, I don't know if it's like in America, like we had the talk, our parents had the talk with us about sex. It is not a talk. It is a ongoing conversation that you have early and often. Like what? So just break the ice that way. Time interpret on. Communication is lubrication. It's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite expressions. Yep. Uh, I'm not very good at it, to be honest with you. I think it's almost easier to have a hypothetical conversation about it. So the more the more we talk about this, Emily, you and I, and all the other women that are leading the charge, the more important I think it is because I think that you can go, yes, yes, I'm going to do that, have that conversation. And then it comes down to it and and the shame, embedded shame and the shyness and the, I think, what I've understood really through doing this work is that what un- what lies underneath the not having the conversations is the fear that the person will leave you. Yes. You know? That we're not lovable. Yeah. That somehow or other, if you ask for something more, that they will take it personally and then go. And so we just, and then we, we crunch and cripple ourselves with not being happy. There is also the other end of the spectrum I think with desire when your partner's desire is stronger than yours and we may be moving a bit into libido but I just want to keep it more in the it's true though high desire low desire partner in every relationship there is usually someone who wants it more and it's not just women or people always think it's the men who wants it and the women don't but it's not always women who yeah in the desire space are you worried about the dog yeah, no, I'm okay. Just she's good. She's laying in the sun. We've had another Laura Whitmore do- brought her dog on too. This will be my <laughs> second podcast with the dog. We're having a threesome, Emily. Exactly. She's the sweetest. <laughs> she's I, just had a, I had a threesome with Emily and her dog. It's fine. <laughs> it's all very on brand. Um, very on so brand. Des- desire with someone wanting to try something that you don't want to try mm. a threesome again or anal sex and things like that. Oh, like, so I think, you know, as, as a, if a woman is exploring upping her own desire but she has a really gut instinct that that thing isn't something she wants to try how much how much how much do we need to negotiate that emily not a threesome i mean that's something that you really that is you don't want to talk your partner into a threesome like that has to be something that you are on board with and i like what you're saying about like what we were talking about watching porn or listening to erotica or finding scenarios where you can maybe and you and your partner could maybe dirty talk the scenario and say hey right now i'm picturing you know, this threesome and just see how it lands with you. But you should never be talked into doing anything you don't want to do sexually. It is the one of the most common fantasies for all genders is a threesome. It's not just people always think it's men. Women have that desire as well. Yes. But again, we, it's, we don't have to find a safe place to explore it. So I think it's no, I, I don't think we should try to fit ourselves into our partner's mold. But there are ways to negotiate to not. Yeah, well, I guess it's negotiate, but to also figure out together like what what would be great to us? Like, I don't want a threesome, but I will watch a threesome porn with you or I will dirty talk it or yes. I will something. I, maybe we'll go to a sex club and we'll have more people watch us have sex. Like, how does that land with you? Like, I have something on my site called the, I have a few things on my site that are free down downloadable guides. Yes. The yes, no, maybe list, which is so popular. It's like, yes. has like a hundred things, all these sex things on it. 
threesome, swinging, spanking, kissing, cuddling, like all the things. And you could check, yes, is it a no or a maybe? And people can just take it with their partner and like, well, where, do, where are our yeses? Like, fine, we don't, I don't want a threesome, you do, but where are our yeses? Let's go towards those. I'm sure you will find yeses on this list. And it's helped so many couples. It's like it's genius. I have all these conversation starters too. I have the, um, I also have my communication guide where I break down timing, turf and tone more. Just, I just want to give people tools to, to continue to have these conversations and feel safe because it's, 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 it's necessary. It's the most important thing you could do, I think is feel safe talking about it because then it's going to lead to all these other things. Even talking to your doctor about it. We don't want to talk to anyone about it. So, so listen, if, if underneath all of this desire chat that we've been having is actually a, a, a more serious lack of libido because I do feel from what your explanation of it if if the libido stuff is anatomical then that might need more serious looking at and when I told our community that you were coming on the majority of questions were I've lost my libido can you ask Emily how I get it back mm. I mean I hear that for women of all ages so like check check i mean we did a, a great podcast too called sexual roadblocks to desire i think it was called that or something about not being turned on i mean i've covered all the roadblocks which is medications um resentments with a partner are are you how do you feel about your, your are you depressed right now how do you feel about your body are you working out are you healthy are you you know are you even in a relationship what's your relationship to masturbation what's your relationship to sex like maybe you are just bored with your partner Talk to them about it. Like I'm saying, like communication is a lubrication because the more we talk about sex, the more we're going to want to have sex. Women going through perimenopause or menopause, our hormones are changing. Get your hormones checked out. See what you can do to supplement your hormones, your diet. There's some natural alternatives. There's bioidentical hormones. I mean, there's so much right now and it is so not easy. So there's a lot to unpack with it. Mm. But there's, and, and sometimes it's okay just not to want to have sex, but if it's ongoing and it's something that you, you know what I mean, for a period of time. But what, like, I think, again, become an expert in your sexual health and wellness. Like, just start to get curious and ask the questions. It's different for everybody, and it happens right. in every relationship over time. And usually it's because we're doing the same things. We're, we're bored because we haven't spiced it up. We're having sex in the same mm. position in the same way. Is that, yeah. but is that some, so that could be why your libido's down is because actually the yes. brain switched your libido off because you're bored right. of the type of you're sex bored. you're having. Yeah. That's interesting. You're bored. You have been having sex the same way in the same position for years or months and, and, and maybe not orgasm or not having not an orgasm. orgasming. Why would you want to have sex if you're not yeah. having the utmost pleasure? But when you learn something new about your body or yourself and you go shopping and you buy a vibrator or you dress yeah. sexy for yourself, you see what turns you on a different, that's why we love vacation sex because it's not in our bedroom. There's, we're not doing it in the same place. So find ways to mix it up at home, like find mm. ways to make it hot. And sometimes it may just be something little, a little thing that made all the difference. And if, That's and why if I love someone, the best maybe list because you might not even thought about how hot it is to talk. To, oh, I forgot I like dirty talk. Talk dirty, you know. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose in a way, we kind of need a yes no maybe list for ourselves. Like, I don't know if you've got this on the site, but like, you need one for you in relationships. But you also like, if your libido's gone maybe the place to start is with yourself because surely if you if you start to integrate masturbation into your weekly, daily routine, will that reignite your libido? 
by telling your body, like even if you're not actually climaxing, if you daily spend time touching yourself, will can that reignite a loss, depending on why it's gone? Obviously, if it's gone because of a very serious medication or post-cancer treatment, it might need more than that. But even then, surely by having time with yourself, you can reignite it. Sex begets sex. Sex begets sex. Oh, my God, I love that. <laughs> Emily's like, Mika, Mika, you're so naive. Sex begets no, sex. No, no, you're not. Oh, I love it. It's like working out. It. You go to the gym, the more you want to go to the gym. But then when you haven't gone to the gym in months, you're like, oh, God, I got to put my shoes on. I get out of the door. I don't want to go. But then you start going every day. Same thing goes for your sex life. The more sex you have, the more sex you're going to want. But when we stop having it, it's really hard to remember why we liked it. Oh, I just so didn't. I mean, I knew that around, I obviously having interviewed some women around menopause, that actually it's really important to continue pleasuring yourself or having sex because it, it's... It, uh, co- contradicts some of the incoming physiological changes like uh, vaginal atrophy and stuff that, that actually is important but I hadn't really quite clocked the fact that the more sex you have the more your I guess your body will start to create and secrete yeah. all the things that you need yes. in order to feel sexual exactly so okay so you're you you've done the work on yourself to reignite your own libido and that's integrated into your relationship but just stepping taking one step backwards if you're in a relationship and your libido's gone how do you have that conversation with your partner like what what would you suggest for women to even or even if it's coming and going in a menstrual cycle because for me i'm so horny just for my period it's absolutely insane i pretty much have sex with anyone i do i'm not taking offers everyone just so who's listening but like how do you have that i know this might sound like a really basic question no it's not most people don't even understand that your desire tends to fluctuate throughout the month given your cycle and you might find that your desire tends to increase the days leading up to to your ovulation Mm. So, or to your period, to when you bleed, mm. or to when you ovulate, and just recognizing your cycle. There's so many great apps right now that women can learn to track their menstrual cycles. And all these apps, like the Flow Living app, is mm. a great one. Elisa Vitti does some great stuff around this. But once women become, again, experts in their own cycles, they even have these apps, they can track it, and then they share it with a part. They can, their partner can be on the app with them and say, hey, babe, like I, you can see this is the time of month where I get really turned on. How fun is that to follow it together? It That's very it, cool. Game Which app is that? Um, okay, so this woman, Elisa Vitti, uh, it's v- It's Flow, Flow, Flow Living, F-L-O. Okay. We are running out of time, which I'm so disappointed about. I knew this would happen. I've got a million things that I want to chat to you about. But I think I want to just end on conversation because a lot of a lot of the pressure at the moment so while it's really exciting that we are igniting and encouraging women to be more sexually present and and weller with their own sexuality what what if you don't want to do that like what if your libido's gone and you want to lean into it being gone like like because it's not i don't think we should assume <laughs> that every single woman wants to step back into or find her sexuality i think that that's also a decision if you get to the point in your life you're like i've had enough sex it's not interesting to me and i genuinely don't want it. it's not because of some past trauma or anger with a partner or anger to, to, like it's okay or to, not looking okay. after yourself which is it's one of the things okay. listen yeah. it's all okay yeah 
till it's not okay. Like if you're okay saying like, I truly have explored it. I don't want to be sexual. I love my life. I love my friends. My partner's okay with me not being sexual. I'm okay being alone. Fine. There's no problem unless there's a problem. It's all okay. Sex, what you desire is okay. Like what you fantasize about is okay. We all, we think that there's like some sex police that's going to knock on our door and be like, you are not doing this right. Like you have violated all the sexual laws. Like there are no sexual laws. You get to decide. I think there have been. I think the thing that I've got mostly from this amazing chat is the focus on us as women, as human beings. But as women, we have to deeply drop into the individual and find out who we are as individuals and honour that at the very highest level and stop listening to the the, the imaginary sex police that, that all of us have got them running around in our heads, actually, and, and, and in our knickers. The imaginary sex police, tell them to fuck off. Right, <laughs> Find out who you are as a woman. I think you've given us some amazing suggestions Emily thank you so much for giving us your time thank today you so much for having me this is and wonderful for, for all of the work that you've done really for me and all of the community uh, I just think you are an incredibly brave human being to have been doing it 15 years ago thank you so much for having me and I love that you're doing the happy vagina and good, good luck with everything and we'll stay connected we're all in this together And a very special thank you to this week's sponsors, The Organic Pharmacy. The Organic Pharmacy products are independently tested using world-class laboratories which clinically prove the short, medium and permanent benefits of their products, with all products being sustainable and eco-friendly from their formulations to their packaging for the health of the planet and of all humans. To find out more, visit them at www.theorganicpharmacy.com or follow them at at The Organic Pharmacy. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.